0: This is Hope and Health with doctors Michelle and Mark Sherwood. Insights and interviews with a dose of straight talk to help you enjoy optimal health in all areas of life. Well, welcome, everyone. This is going to be part two of our training on oxidative stress and molecular hydrogen. So today we're going to kind of understand some of the relationships. If you recall, we talked in depth about the idea... Of this in part one and when you think about part one you got to think about all the things that we revisit about this idea of oxidative stress how it's created and then finally what we're going to do about it and this is where molecular hydrogen does come in so when you look at this idea of the molecular hydrogen I want you to kind of think what creates oxidative stress and then what part does hydrogen have in reducing the excessive amounts of these things called free radicals. So we're going to revisit some stuff, but we're also going to include some new stuff from last time. So if you want to be really into this, you want to go back and revisit part one, of course, at some point in time, and then get into this part two as well. So when you think about this issue here, I want to talk about this idea of ATP production. So this is going to be a little bit of information that you really need to have First of all, if you look at the top of the screen, you're going to see fats, carbohydrates, and proteins. You can see down the left, stage 1, 2, and 3. So we're talking here about the idea of how do we make energy? Where does it come from? And then, of course, we know energy creation creates free radicals. So we're going to go way back up at the beginning right now and kind of give us some good insight of this. Because if we can get this part right, everything else gets better. I'll make this point later on, but I want to make this point right now, at least the first time through. Just taking molecular hydrogen is something we all need to do, period. We know that. But if that's all we're thinking about, we're being short sighted in regard to this overall picture of wellness or optimal health that we're trying to all achieve. So it goes right back to this the very foundation of health rests and begins in what we put in our mouth. Some would say it begins with what we speak out of our mouth, since God made us through the spoken word. But having said that, he put food on the earth, and as Hippocrates, who is the father of modern medicine, said, let food be thy medicine, which is very important. So with this idea of food being thy medicine, we've got to put good food in that has... Good nutrients. That's where the medicinal qualities come in. So at the top, you see right there fats, carbs, and proteins. That would be stage one. So this stuff comes into the mouth through this closed tube. Right here, remember that the mouth of the anus is a closed tube. It does not mean it actually enters our body. If you say, well, wait a minute, that's going in your body. Well, not really, because remember the old drug smuggling trick? Put the drugs in a balloon, put it in, and you well, you know what happens to it. You can actually pass through uh, customs and inspections like that sometimes. So uh, again, think about when it comes in our mouth, it's not necessarily in our body. But these fats, carbons, and proteins, they come in the mouth. The digestive processes begin to break things down. And then you see the stuff transported across the membrane of our intestines into our bloodstream. There, the nutrients which are separated out in the GI tract, what we keep from what we waste is separated in the GI tract. That's the purpose of it. But what we keep is finally in the bloodstream and it's transported all the way down through the cells, through the cell wall, and finally through the mitochondria wall. So when we talk about the mitochondria, I want us to think about the powerhouse of the cell or the energy production refinery, if you will of the cell. So the nutrients come from fats, carbohydrates, and proteins. You can see some of those there that we have to have. That's where we get the word essential, meaning we don't make necessarily all we need to have. We got these essentials we got to bring from the outside. That's why proper food is critical for function. So fats, carbohydrates, and proteins get finally down through the cell. And you see in this citric acid cycle there in the middle, Well, that is a cycle that occurs inside of the mitochondria. So uh, let's just pause there for a moment. From stage one to stage two, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. In other words, we could have poor digestion. You could have poor gut function because you eat poor foods or maybe you got some disease conditions of the gut. We could have poor transportation. You could have a lot of sugar in the blood, sticky blood. You could have poor circulation. We know that that happens when people have uh, diabetic issues. They get these neuropathies. And so the idea of this is to really understand that many, many things can go wrong. And that's why we got to make sure this is right. You have to eat good food for the chance to have good health. So all this food comes down eventually and it's separated out the nutrients from what we want to keep. And they're transported eventually, if all goes well, down inside of the mitochondria. Where this thing, the citric acid cycle, is... Uh, formed. And so you can see kind of in a clockwise direction around that cycle, you can see where it begins with acetyl-CoA. And I I won't get into the chemistry behind that, but just know that these byproducts and these things that we're seeing here, these vitamins and minerals that many of you recognize, and even amino acids, we have to have these things for existence. So when we get the citric acid cycle filled in with all those nutrients, we get down there towards the bottom and we see the Coenzyme Q10, and finally we see the ATP, or cellular energy, being produced. So, backing up, if we don't eat well and don't have the necessary nutrients inside of our bodies, we cannot form ATP. Now, when we form ATP, that's kind of what you want. But if you write down there below that NADH, you see that at the bottom of the circle, NADH, right at the bottom of that, as it goes down between that and the formation of ATP. That is called the, the um, electron transport chain. Now, the electron transport chain is where we get this formation, formality of this ATP. Now, I'm going to go forward one slide, and I want you to see the electron transport chain really in its purest form. So, you can go from the left to the right, and you will see The Roman numeral one, two, three, four, and there, just to the right of the four, you're going to see something called ATP synthase. And we're trying to get this ATP production out of this. What I want you to understand is looking at this again is the creation of these things called free radicals. Another name for free radical is called reactive oxygen species, right? And so when you see these free radicals, these are going to be symbolized in this diagram right here that you can see by these, um, these X's. And I'm going to kind of use my uh, slide here, uh, my pointer here, so you can kind of see it. If you, if you can see my pointer here, look over here toward the left in complex one, you're going to see the, um, the yellow surrounded by the blue starburst form. And you come over here to complex three, the yellow surrounded by the blue starburst form. Now, these are going to be the free radicals that are formed in complex 1 and complex 3 of this thing called the electron transport chain. And keep in mind, this is inside of the cells. Now, it's important to understand when we get this free radical formed here, free radical formed here, you can see those symbolized by this O2 negative here. See the arrow, O2 negative here, and this one goes to O2 negative here. Please understand that these things get broken down appropriately right here by this copper-zinc-dependent enzyme called SOD into hydrogen peroxide. And we also see it gets broken down right here by this manganese-dependent SOD into hydrogen peroxide. Well, understand that superoxide, superoxide, Hydrogen peroxide and hydrogen peroxide, these are free radicals. Now, when I talk about them being free radicals, these things have purposes. For example... Hydrogen peroxide can actually kill some viruses. Isn't that kind of cool? A lot of people have these hydrogen peroxide air filters. Well, that's why they do that. It's important. How many of you have to remember putting hydrogen peroxide on a wound to sort of clean it up? So hydrogen peroxide has some purposes. But we must understand that if we get too much free radical, or if you drank hydrogen peroxide, not the best example, but you get my point, the problem with that would be too much is a bad thing. So the body creates free radicals intentionally to do certain things however if the free radicals get built up too much we're going to have a problem and one of the free radicals that gets built up too much is this guy right down here this oh that you see right here this is called hydroxyl radical hydroxyl radical. We're going to look at that in just a second in another graph. But when you look at hydroxyl radical here, we know this one is going to be the most dreaded free radical that actually has no purpose. So if it has no purpose, then that would mean that would be a bad thing if that became in volume. So what I want you to catch with this diagram is these enzymes, which we are going to go over in a minute, that the body makes are dependent upon these mineral products to have cofactors. We saw copper and zinc. We also talked about manganese. The body needs these things to make sure these enzymes operate. Without the enzymes being able to have their necessary cofactors, they won't operate. Then you'll have excessive free radical buildup automatically, which... When you try to rely on hydrogens to do that all the time and you're creating too much, you're going to get less benefit and becoming less effective. So again, as necessary and beneficial as hydrogen is, molecular hydrogen I'm talking about, the problem can become if we don't do anything about the front end. So if you're following the logic, why light a fire and continue to throw, throw gas on it when you have a bucket of water? But if you have a bucket of water and you have a small fire, it'll kill the small fire every time. Look at hydrogen like a bucket of water that will kill a small fire every time. Small fire can become a big fire, so we don't want the small fires. But if we have a roaring inferno with us throwing gas on it all the time, the hydrogen, or in this case, analogy, the bucket, is not going to do what it's supposed to do with its effectiveness that it could do. Now, this is going to be a revisitation of where we were last time. Because I really, really want you to get this. And I want you to sort of follow the mouse here that you see on the screen. Okay, so when you, first of all, this is just what I talked about. Oxygen comes in the body. There is the electron transport chain right there, electron transport system. The very first free radical we form, this is O2 negative. This was the superoxide. Remember I talked about this superoxide dismutase being an enzyme. You see the code right down at the bottom. Enzymes involved in oxidative stress, and you see hydrogen peroxide, just like we talked about, normal formation, gets broken down by this enzyme over here called catalase. Now remember, this one has cofactors zinc, copper, manganese. This one has cofactors, usually iron is a cofactor there. Down here, then you also have hydrogen peroxide being broken down by Glutathione peroxidase has a cofactor of selenium. Now, glutathione peroxidase, catalase, superoxide dismutase are normally enzymes produced in the body. However, genetically, sometimes an enzyme works fast, sometimes it works slow. So that's why if you really want to maximize your usage of hydrogen, you'll want to also understand your genetics regarding the enzymes SOD, catalase, and then the GPX. If you understand that, you'll even understand more that hydrogen becomes necessary. Now, just a little tidbit, like a, let's call this a little uh, tip on the side. SOD right there, and some of you may not realize this, is down-regulated. In other words, it doesn't run as fast in the majority of the population. So what I just say, I said SOD does not work well or as well as it could in the majority of the population, meaning Free radical buildup is likely for everybody. Now, interestingly enough, let's go through this one more time. Oxygen combined with nutrients through the electron transport system to create ATP creates normal superoxide, which is a free radical, which gets broken down to hydrogen peroxide, which gets broken down into oxygen and water and water. Okay, The body is made of water, so there's a purpose behind that. But watch what happens here. If you have the superoxide buildup and SOD is not working too well, you can come down here and make this other free radical called peroxynitrite. Not as bad as hydroxyl radical, but pretty darn bad. And it actually can damage your lipids, creating heart disease, and it can break down the proteins. Now, that's not a good thing. Now, many times the body has a chance to correct that. But please understand, if you get free radical buildup, you could have depression. BH4 and tryptophan deal with the serotonin production, by the way. And you could have problems sleeping. So if you're out there today and you say, well, I'm having problems with depression, brain fog, sleep. Do I need hydrogen? The answer is yes. You also need to understand you need vitamin C and E as well. Okay. Now, if you're going to get vitamin E, you have an option between um, tocotriols and tocotrienols. We want tocotrienols. Again, another class for another day. But if we don't get these free radicals cleared, you see what happens? Hydrogen peroxide and superoxide can come down here and make this hydroxyl radical. Ladies and gentlemen, right there once again is hydrogen. So when we get hydrogen added to the hydroxyl radical, look what it becomes. H2O. Again, that is a benefit for us, is it not? If the body is 65% water, can you see where hydrogen helps us become what we're supposed to be now let's say that one more time because i hope you caught that hydrogen where its availability helps us become what we're supposed to be so if we really get that we understand that from a genetic standpoint we're all different and i'm going to go over some foods you got to have in a minute to make sure you get the nuts necessary nutrients in here and some vitamins and minerals that you need to have but please understand that in this pathway diagram and you should take a screenshot of this right now Take a picture with your phone because it's very important to get this in your head because it's it's complex. But it's not that complex when you understand that creation of energy or ATP, like we just talked about, is necessary for human existence. The creation of free radicals is necessary for human existence. But the excessive free radicals can decrease The quality of human existence. So now we go a little bit further down here within this diagram over here. Here we go and we see this redox. And a lot of times we understand the redox from the idea of, well, what are we looking at here? Okay, so there's oxidative stress. Look at what creates oxidative stress. Sedentary lifestyle. So if we don't exercise, we've got a problem. And I'm talking about the fire analogy. We don't need to keep throwing gas in the fire and think hydrogen's going to bail us out. Will it help? Yes, but we need to have hydrogen so it optimizes our quality of existence, right? Smoking will do it. Unbalanced diet, we talked about that from ATP production a moment ago. you got to have the necessary vitamins and minerals. Cellular respiration, we're talking about the very breathing in of oxygen and expiring carbon dioxide. That creates free radicals. And what about these other environmental factors over here? Here we're talking about this persistent organic pollutant. So, without going any further, we can see one, two, three, four, five, and others contribute to the free radical buildup. So, free radicals are a part of life. And here we see just a different angle of this. SOD breaks down O2 negative into hydrogen peroxide, and then catalase breaks it down, the hydrogen peroxide, into this water and oxygen. And then here we see. Hydrogen peroxide broken down by GPX, glutathione peroxidase, into water. Again, this system should work very well. Now we're going to go one level deeper right into this, just as by way of memory. I want you guys to catch this. When you start looking at this thing, you want to kind of think about looking from the right to left. There you see at the top the hydrogen peroxide, and you can see that that's right over there, right? And the hydrogen peroxide has to get um, reduced, by the glutathione peroxidase. And the interesting thing about this is if this right-to-left equation doesn't work and we get too much hydrogen peroxide built up because of a lack of glutathione peroxidase, we have a problem. That's what I talked about. Too much hydrogen is is a problem. Too Too much hydrogen peroxide is a problem. Too much hydrogen would not be a problem. But you can see where hydrogen becomes necessary for every single thing we do. Now, we've talked about these enzymes. We've talked about where food plays a part in the creation of energy, which is necessary. But we've got to be talking about the idea of what foods we should be eating. And I'd be remiss if we didn't cover this once again. Those of you that know me well know we're going to talk about this every single time because this is where life begins. Now, if we have to have all these vitamins and minerals, amino acids, to not just create ATP, but also create the cofactors Necessary for these enzymes to work. Now you can see an extra importance of, of this idea of food and vitamins and minerals that we got to have in here. Now, these foods, I think we can understand, are not foods at all. These would be unfoods. I call them Franken foods, or if you want to be really cute about it, you could say they're fruits. <laughs> they're not foods at all. We need to not eat these things. So listen to me carefully. If your doctor is encouraging to eat these things, you need to find a new doctor. This is not uh, rocket science. This is this is science 101. This is God's science. Do not trust the political science. Do not trust governmental science, but trust God's science. That's where I want you to get. These foods are imitation. They are not what they were. And when you look down there and you see that breads, grains, corn, and soy, I want you to think government subsidized foods. In other words, let's take it one level further. The United States government subsidizes foods that make you create less energy and create more free radicals and die quicker. So therefore, every single person that consumes any of this stuff or is even around it needs hydrogen because molecular hydrogen will help offload and dismantle some of those free radicals because you're going to have them. But again, it's just a matter of time before you You die if you're going to continue to consume these things and try to use any supplements or any even molecular hydrogen just to bail you out all the time. So again, we want to think through the process on where life begins. Now, what do we need to eat? We need to eat these things. And these things here would be foods that are actually food. These would be uh, things that you could see uh, walking around, perhaps in the Garden of Eden, swimming in the creek, running through the Garden of Eden, Uh, growing off the trees or from the bushes or from the ground, even underground. These are foods in a natural form. The reason that I use specifically the term low glycemic with the fruits and with the veggies is because those fruits and veggies that I talk about there are going to be things that don't raise blood sugar too much. That's important. Because when blood sugar is elevated continually, we have also this concurrent elevation of this thing called insulin. That causes excess fat accumulation. Excess fat accumulation creates stress in the body, creates free radicals. So right back to where we go again. So, folks, we got to understand what all these things contribute to free radicals and how that we need to have food in the system and understand the importance of that. And then let's think about the... Cofactors of these enzymes we just talked about earlier. Remember we talked about this idea of SOD. SOD, there's a couple different places, and I won't go into this too much in this one because we talked about it in the last video, part one, which again, go back and review. SOD is in three positions. You see the cofactors there, copper, zinc, in SOD1 and SOD3. SOD2, you got manganese, Then you got GPX, which is selenium. Catalase, shortened for CAT, is copper. And then you got ENOS, which is uh, talking about some blood pressure issues, but that's tetrahydrobioptin or BH4. Um, You can see at the bottom some foods that have the the necessary copper, zinc, manganese, etc. there. That's important. So if you can use this as a, maybe take a picture of this right now and put it in your think tank, Super, super important to understand this is what we need to do. So, when you're looking for supplementation to take, what I would do if I were you is look for supplementation that had the necessary cofactors to run your system's own production of enzymes that dismantle free radicals. And then you use the hydrogen and you've got a complete picture. When you get buildup of free radicals in a system, you're talking about buildup of cellular damage. Buildup of cellular damage creates more senescent cells. More senescent cells, think senile, they're not able to function. They lose their functionality and they begin to die. The more that happens, the more the aging process happens in your life and my life. And folks, that is what we want to stop and avoid the excessive aging process. People are aging too quickly these days. The body is designed to, by God's standards, live 120 years. But because of the persistent organic pollutants, the constant abuse we put on it, the lack of good nutrition, the lack of knowledge that is used correct, that's called wisdom. Instead, we've used knowledge incorrectly called foolishness. And when we have that, Folks, we have a rapid aging system and we have declined in our expectation. So, our expectation to live is kind of about 80 years if we're lucky. But what if we put our expectation above that and started doing everything we could possibly do to live as long as we could, in my opinion, to glorify God? You may not believe that, but that's okay. But I want you to understand that our desire for you is to have an optimal, full life, to complete every purpose that is intended. For just you. So, people ask a lot of times, when do you take molecular hydrogen? So, this is what I do. There's various ways you could look at it, but when you look at this idea to consume this, it's got to be daily, not once, not twice, but I do it daily. So, I have my molecular hydrogen machine. This is what I do personally I'll make a pitcher in the morning and I'll take it to my workout. And so, I will sip on that during the workout and after the workout. Now, why am I doing that? Because working out is going to, by its very nature, create stress and tissue or muscle breakdown, hopefully, if you do it right. And that creates free radicals or more ATP. It just makes sense. The more energy that I need, the more I'm going to make. And the fascinating thing about ATP, and remember that mitochondria is the powerhouse, keep this in mind, the more you exercise, the more mitochondria you can make. So let's say that one more time. The more you exercise, the more mitochondria you can make. And when you exercise a whole bunch, the mitochondria, they, actually, they can fuse together to create bigger mitochondria for more energy. Now, that simply means that you can have more energy at your availability or more energy potential. But that also means more free radicals. Hence, if you are a workout person. We talked about the, the ones that are sick, right? You need hydrogen now we talk about the workout side of it. You need hydrogen. Everybody needs this. So this is not, again, this is a no-brainer. So you want to do it after your workout. So I'll make a pitcher. I'll drink probably the majority of that pitcher before or actually during and after my workout. Then I'll have one midday because when I'm at my job and right now I'm in the middle of a campaign and, boy, it's pretty stressful. So I want to make sure that I'm not aging too fast. So I'll make sure that I have You know, several glasses of that through the day. And then I want to do it before bed. Why do I want to do it before bed? Because when I'm in a fasted state before bed, my body has a chance to repair. But guess what? If I've got a bunch of senescent cells running around or cells that are stressed or excess free radicals, my body can't repair very well. So there I've talked about three times to take it, post-workout or in the morning, midday and at night. So again, this is the beauty of using the molecular hydrogen machine by Holy Hydrogen because you can actually have at your disposal the ability to quench or suppress excess free radicals, slow down the aging process at your disposal every day. Now, that's what I'm doing right now. Just so you know, I've got my little metal cup here. And I just had my molecular hydrogen and I just quenched a few Free radicals because when you're doing a presentation like this, you better be a little bit alert. So there should be a little bit of stress going on right now. Not that I'm stressed out, but there should be stress going on. That's very important. So again, 15 to 20 ounces of water at a time. If you want to just do it in a bolus or something like that, you can. If you're gonna do that, probably before bed and probably post-workout. That'd be the two minimum times I would do it. But if you sip on it all day long, that's going to work great, too. Now, understand this. Here's a couple of keys as we wrap up part two. We talked about this before. You know, the key point about molecular hydrogen is going to be that it's super small, the smallest molecule out there, and it'll enter um, pretty much into the mitochondria anytime you want. So where was the majority of the, of the free radicals created? Inside of the mitochondria. The cool thing about molecular hydrogen, as we said in video one, Is it selective? Meaning it doesn't just mop up anything. It doesn't mop up all your hydrogen peroxide. No, it mops up the excess, unnecessary free radicals that cause no good function for the body, such as the hydroxyl radical. And thereby it turns that wicked, nasty hydroxyl radical into water. Certainly, when you talk about inflammation, which is a problem day, chronic systemic inflammation, is massive in burden across our society pretty much anybody out there that has any of these conditions has chronic systemic inflammation as a as a part of that so believe it or not molecular hydrogen can turn down this switch that's called nf kappa b you see it right there in the fourth uh, number down that actually is a molecular switch that turns on your pro-inflammatory signals meaning your body says it's an emergency i need to let everybody know around my system so it would be cool and it would be smart to turn that down in these unnecessary times so you won't have excessive systemic inflammation so when you think about this um, and i could bore you with studies all day and you can get some more i'm sure online through the holy hydrogen site um, But there's more and more studies coming out about this, and I want you to use this information, use this data, use this presentation to get yourself up to speed because this type of information is not something you're going to find probably from your general practitioner. They're really smart people, but this is not something that they're designed to go uh, down the rabbit hole and study. So trust me on this one, ladies and gentlemen. Molecular hydrogen is something we all need, and I really hope that you understand from the heart that this is something my wife, Dr. Michelle, and I do every single day. It's a it's something we have as a blessing and a benefit, and we want you to have that benefit too. So thank you for your attention today. I hope you've enjoyed part two of our training, and we'll look forward to the next training ahead. See you later. Doctors Mark and Michelle Sherwood and their clinic can help you find the hope and health you were created to enjoy. Go to Sherwood.tv for clear proven ways you can be healthier. Subscribe at Sherwood.tv